Happy Valentine's Day from the Hyundai Texans radio studio. I'm DP Sidhu. Joining me today, JJ Moses. You're listening to the Deep Slant podcast here in the offseason. JJ, happy Valentine's Day. And you've got gifts today. I I can see one I mean, of those. First of all, I'm waiting to see all your blooms in here, flowers. And <laughs> I'm like, okay, where's DP? Where's where's her? Flowers? I gotta call I her husband like right now. And I make literally sure. for, forgot it was Valentine's Day until I heard you telling somebody in the uh, lobby that it was Valentine's <laughs> Day. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day, my friend. Well, thank all you. the best. You look great. Oh well, thank you. So do you. Um, I got a surprise for you. Okay. I mean, I, I mean, I know you're slim, slender. You probably eat healthy and all that. But today's Valentine's Day. Yeah. So I think you and I should enjoy some donuts. For oh, that today. sounds amazing. I did not have now, breakfast I'm yet. I'm going to let you. Choose which one, which type of donut. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, we're eating Shipley donuts. These are my kids' favorite. Okay, that's the pink ice. That's the pink ice. Strawberry. So my, that's like, my youngest favorite. Okay, youngest favorite. You could tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that I chocolate don't have sprinkles. Pink. So which one do you like? I'll do. I'll do chocolate. All right, I'm perfect. A big fan and I'll of do chocolate. vanilla. That's right. So that's how we start off our morning, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Yeah, just make make her fat on Valentine's that's Day. Right, I'm old, that's right. so I'll be working out. No, I'm just kidding. I love donuts. My kids actually Saturday mornings. This is our tradition. Is hot it really? Shipley's donuts. Oh my god! And I cannot, re- I cannot resist hot. Do- I know people have their Krispy Kreme. I used to be into Krispy Kreme when I was up north. Okay, no, so I'm you like Shipley's. Shipley's now? I like Shipley's now. See, I love Krispy Kremes, but I like Shipley's. They're fluffier. You know, they're more soft. They're thicker. I mean, yeah, it's not like a wall of icing that it goes through, but you know, it's. It's still good. Okay, can still I tell good. you what I just did maybe a few months ago? Okay, what? I got to tell myself. I was, um, you know, on Twitter. And I'm a big Krispy Kremes fan, so just one day I just did a random post to Krispy Kremes. And I said, Krispy Kremes, you know, I enjoyed, <laughs> you know, I mean, this is a true story. I posted up on, on Krispy Kremes. I did a private message. And I said, you know, I just wanted to tell you, I remember um, growing up, I always enjoyed Krispy Kreme donuts. Because you, you grew got, up in Iowa. I grew, I grew up, up in, in Indiana. Iowa. Yeah, we had Krispy Kreme and, up north. And, and I said, you know, I've just always been a big-time customer. And, and uh, they actually sent me, they liked my, uh, you know, my Twitter page and followed me and all that type of stuff but i was really just trying to get a, a sponsor but it didn't work but was this not this is not while you were playing right this, <laughs> this is, is recently <laughs> you, know, you, you got a good hustle know. you got a good hustle DB, going you on you never JJ. know you never know this is how things happen i try to get i try to get free <laughs> things all the time so i always mention to mark i'm like if company x needs a sponsor send them my way because i'm I, i'm really good at promoting things that's but I'm exactly still waiting. Right. you are you're I'm still, still, waiting. still waiting so shipley's we're, we're coming for you next how about that all right i want to talk to you about last week because last week i must have seen you a hundred oh. times over the course of the week yes. we had a bunch of events the Houston Sports Awards, first ever at the Hilton Americas downtown. I know we talked about it for the last few months, but now that it's actually happened, yeah. I wanted to get your thoughts because I saw you all over social media with our players. Uh, you were at the event. I actually didn't go to the event. I covered the blue, the ga- the Powerade blue carpet. Oh, big time. It was Look big time. You. And then we did a radio show. We did Texans All Access from 6 to 7 p.m. inside the lobby where everybody who had come along the blue carpet, they would walk right past us. And I mean... I have never seen so much Houston Houston athlete royalty in my life in one room. Like, oh, there's Hakeem Olajuwon. Right. Oh, there's uh, Earl, you know, Earl Campbell. There's George Foreman. Yes. You know, and th- and then George Springer. Th- there were current athletes, former athletes. There were a lot of Oilers players that a I probably probably walked right by me, and I didn't even recognize them. But you were there. I want to know what your thoughts were on the whole thing. DP, I thought by far this was one of the most exciting award shows that I've ever been a part of. I went in there blindly. I didn't realize how big 
Like nobody it, had any no. expectation of what it was supposed to be because it was the first one. It like was it. the first one. And I didn't realize, like, you know, I'm walking in and, and of course, we valet and uh, Patty Smith, first of all, she gave us great hookups with that. And, and um, so we walked in, my wife and I, and, you know, we valeted our car. And I'm thinking, okay, it's a small event, maybe a few hundred people. Just cool. You know, I see some Texans. I walked in and, like you said, there's Hakeem Olajuwon. There's Earl <laughs> Campbell. I mean, the list goes on and like everywhere on and you on turn. And, I mean, Roger uh, Clemens, Nolan right there. Ryan. Yeah, Nolan I mean, Ryan. You see, um, uh, Nolan Ryan. You see, I even see Cal and Hannah McNair. I see Brian. Talk to them. I yeah. Saw, did you see Brian Gaines? I did. He. We were. I was on the blue carpet, and I okay. was interviewing somebody. He walked by. And okay. I thought, oh, I was gonna grab him. For, well, I was like, well, I, I guess I'll talk to him at the combine or at the draft. I know we're gonna get a chance to catch up with him. I talked to Cal McNair. Uh, we, we talked to George Springer on Texans yes. radio because okay. we played his interview. John Harris actually played his interview every single time he played like middle of the world series on. And every time he played it, George Springer got a home run and it became a hashtag on Twitter Springer interview. So we thought we were responsible for him getting MVP for the world series because every time we played the interview, he had a home run. So we felt like we had to share that story with him. Yes. And he was a great sport. He was like, yeah, you guys, you guys should do it again this year. If I'm in a slump. Yes. Pull out the interview. Yes, I thought it was really cool because, you know, when I went there, DP, I saw so many people and so many individual stars and celebrities, and it was so great to see our Houston Texans in the house and representing. And I thought overall I sat at a table, and I was with Christian Covington out of all people. I, I was sitting What did you think of his hair? He's oh got my, this blonde do. Oh, my goodness. He can make <laughs> it work. Christian, I mean, it, it was just so cool to see him, and he's just full of life, and he's got – Chester Pitts was there. Chester Pitts was yeah. there. Um, who else was there? Uh, the Weeks family. The Amanda, Weekses. Yeah, Joe jo and Amanda. John and John Amanda. John and Amanda was mm-hmm. there. And so we all sat at the table with them, and then uh, we walked up. And Whitney Merciless pulls out, has this smooth and cool, just velvet jacket. And I thought also Kevin Walter had a smooth Kevin velvet. Walter always dresses sharp, too. Whitney, it's funny you bring up Whitney's jacket because we also had him on the show. Okay. And that was the fr- I mean, before he could even open his mouth, I said, Whitney, we got to talk about your outfit because velvet jacket, velvet shoes. Yes. And the jacket had, like, these little flowers on it. Yes. And uh, I was trying to call them. It was cool. We were, we were debating whether they're ninja stars because that sounds more manly than flowers, but. Yeah. Whatever it was, he pulled it off, and and he 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 just looks like he fits right in in those things. You I know, mean, those blue carpet events, I red mean, carpet events. Totally. And you and did you see Calvin Murphy? I mean, typically Calvin <laughs> Murphy, he's like the most amazing. Like the guy. Just, How does he dress up for uh, cocktail events when he already dresses <laughs> up like every day is a cocktail event? My question is, where does Calvin Murphy buy his clothes? Like, it's not like you go into the gallery no. mall and you say, "I want this and this from like Versace store." Where, where no. does he shop? Someone's at? making those for him. Do I think, think so? I think he dreams up these outfits and someone makes them for him because I've never seen. I've shopped a lot. I've never yeah. seen anything like it. I mean, you have a funny story about the restroom. Yes, you oh, ran my. into somebody very famous okay. in the bathroom. This is crazy because on Coming to America, if any of you guys have ever remembered Coming to America, is one of my all-time favorites. <laughs> movies back in the early 90s or maybe the 80s, uh, Eddie Murphy walks into the restroom. And while he was in the restroom, one of the guys rep- remembered Eddie Murphy as the prince in Zamunda. So it was like, <laughs> oh, my gosh, Eddie, this is you. And now, remember, Eddie Murphy goes to America. No one knows he's a no prince. No one knows who he is. So right. when he goes into the restroom, it's like, oh, oh, my gosh, it's you. And I feel like I have that moment. <laughs> with Jose. Jose Altuve, ladies and gentlemen, was at, inside the restroom. Okay. Now, you know, I'm only 5'6", and he's probably... He's about the same. No. He's I, shorter? Yes. He's, you think he's like 5'5", five, 5'4"? Five, five, he's probably the same size as Trenton Holiday, and 5'5", five, five, I will give him yeah. that. 
and he's about 155 at the best. Yeah. And so, DP, I'm I'm tripping. I'm washing my hands and all that. Jose Atube walks right next to me. And I didn't want to be like this guy on coming to me. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's it you. So, you know, everybody's in the restroom. We're cool. You got every all the celebrities. So I was like, man, if I get an opportunity, I'll wait till we get outside and I'll shake his hand. But during each and every segment during the award show, you only get about a two-minute break to go to the restrooms, grab a drink or whatever, and then come back in. So I didn't want to miss my window of coming back into the actual award show. So I ran in, and Jose ran in, and afterwards, I saw him afterwards, and it was a long line of people trying to get his autograph. Of course. And I definitely wanted to do it, but unfortunately, it didn't happen, but hopefully next time, I will get his autograph. But I thought it was a cool moment. I was right next to him. That is very That's cool. So I cool. love how like athletes are starstruck <laughs> just like the rest of us. That's right. You react the same way as any other fan uh, at, at seeing Jose Altuve in the restroom. All right, so that was the blue carpet, and I guess the end of the awards show, they capped it off. The big announcement was there's going to be Houston Sports Hall of Fame. Yes. And so the 34s were the first three to be inducted into it. Yes, and the 34s, we all know who it was, Earl Campbell. Right. It was uh, Hakeem Olajuwon and Nolan Ryan. And so just to see those guys, I mean, I grew up watching those guys, and just they were like icons to us. Right. And so seeing Hakeem and Nolan Ryan and – and, uh, and Nolan Ryan was sitting up right at the table right next to me, and I seen Rusty Harden. He's the powerful attorney here. In I Houston. see him at the Rockets game. He's, he's right, a, and he's <laughs> at every Texas game. Can you believe it? Is he really? Oh, he's yeah, a I big he time. He's a big time Houston Texas fan. Sits right there on the fifty yard line. But when I just see all these, all when I saw all those stars, DP, it was just a cool testament of how awesome this award show was. And I'm just amazed at seeing what's going to happen next year. Because this, it can only get. I thought I don't know how, how it can get bigger. How how can you top it? But if if it, there is a Houston Sports Hall of Fame, the first first person to go in, we were just talking about this on the walk down here. You think Andre Johnson? How long you do you wait think. before you put Andre Johnson in it? I mean, I don't know how long you. can. But the question is, is you also have to have more than just Andre there? Like this event was three high powered celebrities, icons, pioneers of their day. So. If it's next year, you got to have Andre, but it's got to be somebody else. Well, you got to bring Andre. in a, a Rockets <gasps> oh, player or I got a somebody. coach. Uh huh. Vince Young, Andre Johnson. He was there as well. He was. Yes, I yeah. met. Oh, Vince Young. He was. I mean, he's really tall. Is I he didn't really? Realize that. Yeah. Vince is like six, 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 five. Oh, okay. He's really tall. But anyway, Vince, Andre, and I don't know who the third person would be. And I was talking to Mark Vandermeer. He said maybe Rudy Tomjanovich, oh. the Rockets coach. I remember. That. I moved here, and he was still coaching the Rockets. That was towards the end of it. So maybe you get somebody from each of the three franchises. I think it's cool because, then, of course, cool. if, if Andre Johnson gets inducted, whether it's next year, five years from now, whenever, it's going to be like his Ring of Honor ceremony where That's right. everybody who ever played with him is going to want to come out and support him, as well as so many current players that played with him. Oh, for the Rockets, easy. Clyde Drexler. Clyde, yeah, I would that, say. That's a, a no-brainer. That's no-brainer. You would think so. Okay, and I did hear about the rings. So did you hear about the rings that the all three inductees received? No. So right when the event show, show was over with, um, they each one was awarded an uh, unbelievable, like a Super Bowl ring, so to speak, and had their name, number, full of ice, full of diamonds. It was oh, nice. unreal. And I believe each ring cost $60,000 oh. per ring, and it was donated uh, uh, from another company that supports, I guess, this Houston Sports Award. And so it was cool to know that, but each ring is worth $60,000. That's crazy. So, I had no idea. Big time. It was big time. But It's a big time event. I can't wait to see next year because, I didn't, I, like you, I didn't know what to expect, and I was on the blue carpet, and I thought, 
uh, what is it? You know, I didn't expect it to be as grand as it was. There no. were fans lined up. Every single news outlet. We were actually right when people entered, they would announce who it was. And then we got to grab them off the blue carpet. I was only there for maybe 15 minutes. Like, I, I got so many interviews. So who did you interview? I, well, I got Cal and Hannah McNair. Cal I got Hannah. Christian Covington. Um, I got the Weekses. Yes. Uh, I want. I got Chester Pitts and his son. Yes. And then I had to go. Yeah, then I had to go do the show. So I literally did all those in like 10 minutes. But, you know, I mean, I've watched a lot of E! Who Live was the, the best-dressed person that you saw at the event? Let's take the lady. Ooh. Who was one of the best-dressed women un- there and then one of the best-dressed men? I'll be honest. I didn't see I didn't see a lot of women because I just was seeing the back, back of them yes. as they were coming by the radio show. So I cannot give you a fair assessment on the women. Yes. Everybody else all looked phenomenal. I mean, everybody looked phenomenal. I mean, I thought Amanda looked great. I thought, I thought Amanda looked – I thought Hannah, Hannah McNair. looked amazing. She always looks always. amazing. Uh, you know all the Kevin Walters. I like all the Everybody. wives. All the wives looked amazing. I mean, I think they they totally know how to how to do it up. My wife looked pretty awesome. I didn't as see. Well. I didn't see you, and I did not see we, your wife. We were waving I don't know at where you. y'all were. We were waving at you, but you were kind of like big time. Everybody, <laughs> DP's like big time when she <laughs> walks in. Everybody, DP, hi. Where hi. where was this? So I saw you, and you were kind of. Um, it was towards the uh, middle part. Once you walk into the award show, you go up the elevators, and you're about to go inside. And you were off. Oh, on we the were on the time. air. Yeah, we were probably were on, on the, the air. air. And I didn't want to break your attention. I saw you, Mark, and I think was John there as well. Yes, John I was saw there. John. And, so we had our headsets on. I probably yeah, couldn't hear you. It was you. the whole group, and I forgot who you were interviewing at the time. But it was just really cool. I thought uh, everybody looked amazing, and I'm so thankful I wore a tuxedo. I mean, it was one of those things where, you know, most guys, you wear a suit or whatever, but for the most part, everywhere I looked, everybody had everybody a Everybody was very dressed up. I mean, it was really cool. It's an award show. It was an award show. Yeah. Thank goodness I didn't wear shorts and flip-flops. Yeah, don't wear shorts and flip-flops. <laughs> All right, news of the week. Let's switch gears, talk what happened this week. Texans announced their coaching staff. I mean, we kind of knew this was coming down the pipes for a little while, but uh, all the coaching staff is in place now for yes. Bill O'Brien. I don't know how much of this you've seen. Romeo Cornell, assistant head coach and defensive coordinator, which we knew was probably going to be the case with Mike Vrabel going to Tennessee. I think the other big hire, Brad Seeley, the special teams coordinator. This will be the third mm. was special the teams. Yes. yes. And he was, I mean, he's had so much experience in the league Yes, uh, on special teams. So third special teams coordinator, for Bill O'Brien, since he's been here, you played a lot of special teams. I know Bill O'Brien said, you know, special teams has historically not been very good for the Texans. Yeah. And he said that, and I, I don't know if he was referring to, I, I assume he's referring to just under his tenure because he never mm-hmm. really talks about before that. But when you were here, and I heard this debate on the radio recently during the Super Bowl, we saw Brian Brayman, mm-hmm. former Texan, he made a, a big play on special teams late in the game for the Eagles. Is it better to bring guys in that are just special? Special teams players, just really good on special teams, or do you try to get other guys that can do both? Because I would think you want to get your starter. You don't want to get your starters exposed on every single play, but those are going to be your best special teams players. Or do you just bring in a guy like a Brian Brian, Brayman type who is only good on special teams but does you absolutely Mm. no good if somebody gets injured and, and doesn't fill that spot? That's a good question. I believe typically you bring in the guru, you bring in the guy that specializes in that position. Now, of course, you want guys to be able to play a multitude of positions, but if you want the best punt returner, you want the best kick returner, you want the best guy that plays on kickoff or punt, you specialize in that guy that's a special teams guru. The reason why I say that, DP, is because if you take a starter and you put him on special teams, typically – 
he doesn't take it as seriously because his main role is not to be on special teams. His main role is to be a cornerback, free safety, wide receiver. That's what he's getting paid the big bucks. He's not getting paid big bucks right. to go down and make those tackles. When I was here, I saw firsthand how there were certain guys that were on special teams that were starters on on the defense and they didn't take it as seriously. They would be in meetings, and it was one of those things, well, I'll just be here, and, and that was it. But then I noticed the guys that they single-handedly brought in, like a there was a guy by the name of Troy Evans. Troy Evans at that time was a guru, played for the New Orleans Saints and went on to win a Super Bowl for him. But Troy was a special teams guy, straight-up special teams. He was a linebacker by nature, but yet they utilized him on kickoff, punt, kickoff return, punt return, field goals, you name it. He could do it all. And he took his job so seriously on on special teams that he became, I think he made the Pro Bowl on special teams for one year. But the team always, um, to me, they always responded well when you have guys that are just straight up, you know, special teams players because they take their role seriously. Whereas if you bring in a starter, let him go on some special teams, like, okay, I just got to be here. I'm not going to block as much. I, I don't have to take it as seriously. Right, because I think that's, it's, it's kind of gone both ways. Sometimes you'll see a Whitney Murray or you've seen we've seen JJ Watt on special teams, but we don't see that too often because you, you really don't want to put them out there on the field more than they need to, and those guys need to rest at some point too. But the younger players that you bring in, I've heard this over and over again. Like if you want to make it on this roster, you got to be good on special teams. You and have so to. those younger players are very scrappy, but are they always the best fit for a special teams position? It, I guess it depends it, on the player depends. and the position too. It doesn't depends it? because it's three phases of the game, and sometimes special teams gets overlooked and not realizing that special teams, like we mentioned earlier, I think one of the segments, but kickoff return and punt return, that's those are important phases because without those guys making the blocks or making the actual runs, that can separate a team from going eight and eight or a team that goes thirteen and three. Right. Because if you got a dynamic return game, it brings added advantages. And of course we all remember Devin Hester's, the Dante Halls. But at that time when You played with Dante Hall I as well. With Dante. Too. Yes. So when you have those tr- amazing return men that can do that uh, uh, that can be a game changer on that special teams, it makes you get it get you get a, like a, an advantage so to speak and remember when Dante was with Kansas City Kansas City was balling they were like nine right. and zero one year and that's when Dante was doing the all highlight those reel was all him it was all, all X him. factor it was all him and then, what did he do on offense I don't remember now Dante was a he was like the West Walker of Kansas City at okay. that time he was you know how West Walker was in the right. when Dante was a, a like a slot receiver they would utilize him on quick out routes and he had. A one in an amazing play against the Denver Broncos one year where he made like this one guy miss about five different times. He went on to score a touchdown, but they utilized him as a as, as a, a slot, slot receiver. receiver. So was he da- was he out there for every down nah, most nah. most of the time, or was he just in for certain packages? I think it was, I think it was more for certain packages, but it wouldn't surprise me that that there would be times where they would put him back out there as a, a running back. Oh, then okay. there would be times he would be lined up as a receiver. They'll put him in reverse. He'll run reverses. So they would just really just kind of find He was like him. a utility player. He was player. a utility player. And that's when, to me, Kansas City was at, at their all-time best. And then remember what Devin Hester was an amazing, extraordinary return man. That's when the Bears went on to win the Super Bowl. Sure. Well, they lost the Super Bowl against the Indianapolis Colts. That's right. I think it was down in Florida. But at the he, had a, he had a, an illustrious career. Oh, he was in the league God. just until recently when he retired a few years yeah, ago. So. so Tyler Irvin, to me, sounds oh. like a guy that could fit the bill for the Texans. But obviously last year – I remember last offseason yeah. we talked about Tyler Irvin. He's a running back. He made so many special teams plays for San Diego State. Mm-hmm. But then first year was his rookie year. Last year he got hurt early on, landed on injured reserve. Yeah. You know, somebody like that who plays a little bit of slot can line up as a running back. 
fast, fast has quick. a lot of experience on special teams. But, you know, for you, is it so different to return punts as it is kicks? Yeah, I mean, kicks and punts are night and day. It's it's totally different. I've always I've always it's, been fascinated by this. Oh, my goodness. First of all, people don't realize how difficult it is to go back there and catch a punt, let alone a kickoff return. Well, that to me, that's, first of all, the yeah. scariest position in football is punt return. I agree. Scariest <laughs> position, hands down. <laughs> that is terrifying. People look at me and say, how did you play punt return? You need to be fearless. You have to be fearless. And, yeah. by the way, that's that's been a life lesson that I've learned along the way of being a punt returner in the NFL has taught me to be confident, bold, and and to be courageous in life. Because you have you got eleven guys running down full speed that look like Hercules. So nothing's going to scare you. Nothing's going to scare me now. I'm like nothing, <laughs> unless I get on a roller coaster ride, and that sometimes scares me. But the crazy thing is, DP, is that as a punt returner, the ball is punted up nearly a hundred something feet in the air, and I mean, you never know whether it's going to go a right side, left side direction. The way the ball spins, of course, guys running down full speed. You got the fans cheering. So you really have to be poised and and really honed in into that ball because it's just it's, the ball is so small and it get it gets lost in all of the the the, the backgrounds of the stadium and and then on the kickoff return side. I think personally, kickoff returns are a little bit more difficult than punt returns because kickoffs, it's like you catch the ball, you kind of know what direction it's going to go to, and you already have the guys up front that's right there blocking for you, and all you really got to do is just hit the wedge. And and so as a punt returner, you have to be a little bit more creative because when the ball's punted in the air, of course it might be, okay, you got to run a right return or a left return. So you can kind of – there, it might not be always in control. You got to just really trust in your natural instincts, so to speak. Because so there's more decision making on a punt return than a kickoff. Yes, yes. But if you can do punt return, don't you think you could do kickoff? No, no, because it's, it requires two sets of skills. Because typically, kick returners, when I was playing, you can put a running back back there, you can put a bigger guy back there, and they can kind of get the job done. Punt returners, you have to be very, very elusive. I'm talking about oh, okay. you have to. Which explains why Will Fuller was doing that so much. Exactly. Yeah. He's an elusive guy, whereas on a kickoff returner, you can put a running back back there. And But I think a lot of times what makes an effective punt returner is having a receiver, so to speak, not necessarily a, 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 a running back. You've got to have a guy that's a little bit more shiftier. And sometimes a running back, not to say that they're not shifty, but typically they're more north and south runners. Whereas a receiver, they kind of dance more. They kind of know how to you know move their hips which is sometimes the most frustrating thing about watching punt returns when you see all that <laughs> dancing because yeah. because you feel like are they getting anywhere <laughs> are they what's happening yeah. but you know sometimes just you just need one hole or one break and then you're they're over. gone I mean people would say JJ why don't you hit the hole I remember when I was playing it you know, <laughs> why, why is he dancing so much but they don't realize what they see way up in the air in the stands is totally different from what, what a, you're seeing what on a, the ground yeah, level all I see is bullets th- coming at me full speed. So I'm trying to dodge this person. I'm trying to set up this move. I'm trying to set up this next move so I can get to over where you're seeing it. So it's not as easy as it looks. You don't see the hole right from where no, you're standing. No, because you, you're just seeing guys coming at different angles, full speed, and you're trying to say, okay, I'm trying to set up this return to make it look like I'm going over here, but really I'm trying to go back over here. Oh, okay. But the fans are saying, oh, this side was totally open, but that might not have been a side that I was supposed to be designated to run to. So it's all like it's almost like a, a game of – Checkers, so or chest, yeah. You know, in chest, you're setting up moves for the next move, for the next move, right? And and but and the chest, angles, it's all the about the angles. angles. And once you get hot as a return man, to me, that's what sets the tone, and you can really do this job for a long time. Once you take one back, 
I guarantee you, you will take back another one and another one because it, it's, it's always been like that. But yeah. the difficult is, thing is to try to get that first one. And once you get that first one, you get that more confidence. Then teams begin to get this fear factor in you. Where they're afraid to they're kick afraid it to you. To, and once yeah. they're afraid in, 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 in the NFL, once a team has that, that fear factor, I like to call it, it, now you begin to have the advantage over the opponent because now they're afraid of you. So you can make one move, and they're, they're, they're falling down. They're stumbling. Because, and that's what happens when they would always face against a guy like a Deion Sanders. They're sure. afraid. They're afraid of him. They automatically know. And the touchdowns just came for him. It just came easy. It came, it looked, I remember going to a game at the old Cowboy Stadium in Dallas. I was in Dallas briefly, 1996. He was playing Indianapolis, and I thought, I just want to see him score one <laughs> touchdown on special teams just to see him do the dance, and he and he did. I felt like every game I watched of his, he was scoring. But <laughs> I, I remember seeing him in person. Yeah. It was at the opposite side. I, was, I had horrible seats. I was on one end of the stadium. He ran it back uh, to the other end, did his Dion what was it? The Dion Shuffle or the Dion the Slide Shuffle. or it was, whatever? It was, it was, what was it? it that was crazy something. dance that he did? It was cool. It was, it was fantastic. I mean, we had that huge screen to watch it on. But when we talk, you, you bring up an interesting point that team, once you get hot, teams get scared of you. I felt like we saw a flash of that when Will Fuller returned, mm-hmm. a punt return for a touchdown against Tennessee Yeah, a, a few years ago. Was that last year? No, it, it was, was the year before that. It was the year before that. that. Yeah, it was the year before that. And I felt like even throughout that game, you could see Tennessee on special teams not wanting to kick it to him. But what about when a guy drops a ball on a punt or isn't it? How, how many, how many times does it take before you get your confidence back? And did that ever happen to you? It's tough, especially as a rookie. If you go back there and there, and you're expected to catch a punt return, if you drop that ball to me, you'll see a lot of guys. And and if they're trying out for the team and, and they're putting them in for preseason, most guys that go back there, you can see that they're intimidated. They don't have that confidence. You can just tell by the way that they're catching the ball. And when you don't have confidence, number one, as a punt returner to go back there and catch the ball, you've already lost the battle. You automatically got to know as a punt returner or as a kick returner, it's not even an issue going back there to catch. That shouldn't even that should be like second nature. Okay. So if you're thinking about, oh my gosh, I gotta go back here and catch this. I ball. mean, I don't know how you don't. Most guys, <laughs> and, and to me, most guys that think that way for some reason they never make the team or they never make the big plays. It's those guys that go back there, and when you see them go back there, it's almost like they're pumping the crowd up. They're excited that you could just feel the energy. You could see their swagger. You could just feel it. Those are the guys that are supposed to be back there, and you can just tell by the way that they stand. You can tell by the way that they catch the football. You can tell by the way that they move. You can just see everything in them that they're supposed to be back there. Yeah, good point. All right, special teams for the Texans will be interesting to watch in 2018. Yes, Brad Seeley back there, and I hope Will Fuller and Tyler Irvin uh, come back and they're healthy. Obviously, Will Fuller had a good year, but then once – Oh, I think Once Deshaun tough. Watson I, went out, it was it was tough for him, but it was nice to see him get on that roll right there midseason. It was, and, and of course, I wouldn't utilize Will Fuller as a punt returner moving forward because you've already seen that he can be injured prone. He hurt his you know shoulders. Will is not a big guy by nature, and I think that you got to utilize him more on that offensive side, keeping him as a deep threat with the uh, with the offense because that's his specialty. And hopefully Tyler Irving will, you know, I know he's going to be battling for a position this year. And whatever guys that they draft in or whatever guys that they'll pick up in free agency because that return position is really open. I was I was meeting with uh, Coach Brian. I saw him and Brian Gain at the uh, at the Houston Sports Award. And Coach Brian said, J.J., you look like you still got it. And I was like, Coach, <laughs> don't tell me that, man. I might have a one more. You have a spot to- open on hey, the roster? Hey, I know. And – it's amazing because you know as athletes you always you always think you got it you still got that one year left and when I was playing DP 
the the the, the rookie salary was maybe like two twenty five. Okay. You know what it is now? What? It would blow you away. It's dang near five hundred thousand. Oh, is it really? Just for the rookie salary. That's just a rookie. Oh, okay. So I think you and I, I for some reason I thought it was so much less. No, I thought it was a fraction of that. So each year okay. it goes up. Each I don't know how, what the percentage is each and every year, but I know right. But isn't now, it? Isn't it also? It, de- it depends on like where you got drafted. Like the first round picks get a bigger chunk, right? Don't they have it? Like in the draft, they have it predetermined every spot. Well, I think there's a signing bonus, but for the most part, Deshaun Watson last year earned a rookie salary. So whatever the rookie salary right. was, that's what Deshaun. He's also a first round pick, so it's probably going to be much more than somebody say seventh round. Well, I say that his sal- his his signing bonus was much more than everybody. Oh, else. I got you. But his actual salary, you can't the base salary. Your, your base salary is the base salary. Oh, I see. Regardless if you're a rookie. Or if you're whatever year player. Now, of course, once you go into that second contract, whereas, you know, now you, you, of course, making more than whatever the case. But Deshaun was making the rookie salary for last year, but it's amazing. Now. So you're like, that rookie salary doesn't look too hey, bad anymore. that rookie anymore. salary <laughs> doesn't look too bad anymore. I like that Coach O'Brien, like, <laughs> would you ever think about going into coaching? Because you see, like, Wes Welker, he's, uh, we talk no. about spe- the coaching changes. His, he's still offensive special teams assistant. No. You're like, no, no, there's no way, because as a coach, you really have to know your X's and O's. And I mean, when you I mean, and you got to love it. You got to love. But you played. You've got the experience. I think that a lot of players would really value. DP, now I I like walking around putting suits on and going to different (laughs) events in the community. You like to see the light outside of the stadium. I like to see the lights (laughs) outside the stadium instead of telling a return man, hey, you need to run over here faster. If not, you're not you're going to get cut by next. I don't want that thing. And, you know, I grew up always in sports. So it's cool now to be involved with the game of sports, but on another basis, on another side. So now being out in the community, representing the team, to me, that's the fun of it. I'm having joy and meeting people, going out, talking to the fans. And, you know, we did an event together just recently when we went to um, – It was the same day, actually. What was that? We was, were at the school with DJ Reader. DJ Reader. Uh, for the Sarah Houston the Houston Triathlon. The Houston Triathlon. That's the, right. The kids' triathlon. We were promoting that. And we were at River Oaks Baptist School. And that was cool. And that was the same day as the Houston Sports Awards. Yeah. So I felt like I saw you a ton last week. Um, you mentioned being out and about in the community. I want to ask you about this. This is kind of news. This is our social media news of the week, if you will, because I feel like there are plenty of news that breaks on your news outlets, and there's news that breaks on social media, <laughs> right. which is always very entertaining and interesting because it's not the way it was when you were in the league mm-hmm. by far. DeAndre Hopkins is on a recruiting trail. I don't know if you've seen this. He's posted pictures of both Jimmy Graham and Malcolm (laughs) Butler in Texans uniforms. Wow. I'm assuming this is not his Photoshop skills because that would be impressive (laughs) indeed, and I need to be taking some more classes if DeAndre Hopkins can do that in his free time. But I wanted to talk to you about recruiting players. How effective do you think that is? Because you were a free agent. You played for a number of teams. If if a star player on a team put you on his social media with – a uniform of his team, how far would that go for you? Well, first of all, it totally works. Look at the whole situation <laughs> with LeBron James. LeBron James oh, is point. one of the biggest recruiters. And anytime he tells a player, hey, I want you to come, oh, they're packing their bags and they're going wherever LeBron's going. Right. Uh, I think that with Hopkins and the way that he And with Watson, too. And with uh, Watson, yeah. too. And if J.J. Watt gets in part of this whole thing, oh, my gosh. Whenever you have a star player that reaches out to you and it does not hurt D.P., when you're in the city of Houston, the, it's an amazing city. It's not like it's you're true. going to Cleveland or you're going to – It's not a to, hard uh, sell to It's move. not a hard yeah. sell. It's either you want to play in New York, L.A., 
Chi-Town is okay, but it's cold up there. Of course, you got Atlanta. Everyone loves Atlanta and then the Florida schools, but I mean the Florida teams. But it's amazing because Houston, the cost of living is cheap. Uh, your dollar can go a long way down here. So No state income tax no for those st- fat oh, contracts. Do you know how that is like the number one seller? There are a lot of athletes that live down here that don't even play for Houston or play in Texas, <laughs> but they just want to live down they here. They want to live down here. So I don't blame them. I think that is a great strategy, and I, and I think personally – Butler will consider Malcolm Butler will maybe consider this. I, I really think that this will be a great, a great fit for him. Regard, I mean, think well, the, about it. The Patriots coaching staff is exactly. here: Romeo O'Brien. They all know that he could fit into their system because if you can play for Bill Belichick, although the whole way things ended with him at the Super Bowl not playing, yeah. uh, that's really interesting. I think it'll be interesting to see how he 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 issued you know his love for the fans yeah. and all that. But it'll be interesting to see how he explains that privately behind closed doors with coaches and how they perceive that. And then Jimmy Graham, it's interesting because Texans have three tight ends. Oh. But but CJ CJ Fedorowicz sounds like he might be retiring. He might be retiring. He told the Crystal Lake Northwest Herald that he's considering retirement. Mm. He had a number of concussions. Yeah. And he said that after eight weeks on IR, when he came back, it was constantly on his mind, wasn't able to play loose and free, mm-hmm. and it was in his head. And then, of course, he gets another concussion. So it seems like yeah. once you get it, I mean, not seems like, it is true. Once you get one concussion, sometimes you're more susceptible to them. But CJ says he's still planning to attend Texans offseason workouts mm. in April. So that is a situation that will be interesting to watch throughout the year. But if he retires. It's tough. You know, I, I saw CJ's mom, and he's got a great family at, at so many different events out of the last few years. And I know his mom was so excited for him oh, yes. coming into this football season. And I think that they gave him a big, what, signing bonus? They, they, $10 million. He signed a nice big contract, I believe, during training camp before the season started. I saw yeah. CJ's mom in West Virginia. She was there. Isn't she awesome? She was awesome. She yeah. brought her friends, and uh, we used to see her at breakfast. She was staying at the same hotel as us. And mm-hmm. She was so excited for CJ, and we all were excited for CJ because the Titans were coming off this phenomenal year where they had like 80 receptions, and we thought, how are they possibly going to beat that this year? And even if they don't, you know, the Titans group as a whole had come a long way. So to see him get hurt early on and then just not be able to come back the same, that's really – because I felt like he was really – Getting there. He, he was getting there. And to me, w- with us having now Watson on the team, that would have oh, took him to a whole another level. new level. And I know he was just – couldn't. I know he couldn't wait to get out there. But it's one of those things. When you have a concussion, that's that's severe. You're talking about life or death. And thank goodness, knock on wood, that no one has really died on the, on the field right now because – once you start getting those concussions, it's, it can happen at any given time. And it doesn't take a big hit to get another concussion. It doesn't, especially no. once you've had it. And it's it's just really sad that you have to be so cautious then you after that. To. And as a player, once it's happened to you once, twice, three times, you're worried about it. You're worried about it. Because I think these guys all know that if you get too many concussions, they're going to shut you down for the season too. So they I will. think it's one, it's health, and two, it's just from your career standpoint. My question is, is it worth it? Is it worth risking your life? And that's the question he has to, he has to ask himself. Yeah, I think only he can answer that. Only he has to answer that. And, and the thing is, you got to think long term. You know, of course, football is a great thing. It provides for the family. But ultimately, you only get one body. You only get one brain. Make sure you protect it. And as much time that he needs to take off, I would advise him to do to that. To think about it, right. Because you don't want to go in 20 years from now and say, man, I wish I would have done it differently. You want to really think about it. So with Graham coming in, I know that there's going to be some spots for this tight end position of who we're going to bring in. So 
it can be an exciting office of year of whatever times, whatever ways the coach decides to, uh, whatever, you know, Brian Gain and Coach Brian decides to bring in. But I'm excited for this team going forward. I'm excited to see DeAndre Hopkins, who he's recruiting next, because <laughs> it is- just seems like he's doing his own thing. And I'm, I'm having a lot of fun watching it because uh, everyone's following who is he, who he's, who he's a. Uh, trying to recruit every week. And I think that's big because once you're recruiting these type of players, you're creating this type of bond. And you were talking about this time versus time. Right. And so it kind of goes into this story with him is because I watched that whole segment of just him being involved with all his receivers. Did you see how – I saw that one where he takes them out to – I forget which state – it was um, somewhere, and they were out. Oh, I think they were in California. They were somewhere skiing. I mean, not skiing, but um, surfing. Did you see that one time when they were out surfing? They were golfing, golfing. They were off-roading. So yeah. I think that you have to have that type of chemistry. And now it doesn't surprise me why Tom is so amazing with the offensive side. Is because they're not just great um you know, friends on the football field, but off the football field, they are like brothers. Like they actually were teasing each other, laughing, cracking jokes. And what was the receiver that's he's on the cover of ESPN and he's got this. Edelman. <laughs> oh, they I had see, his. <laughs> I see you're kind of blinking a little bit. You know, I, know exactly. I wrote it. I, I had jotted down some yes, notes because yes, all the all yes. the episodes were running together. But yeah, they were. I like how they're making fun of him. The, yeah, and they were making fun. Of, and he was like, cause, and, but, the, but the craziest thing was was this is that Tom was like, you must you're lifting weights just to be on the cover of the magazine. So. So it shows me that they're not really big into lifting weights. I mean, yeah. if you look at Tom's frame, Tom does not lift weights. Did you see him flexing? But he was he was like <laughs> laughing, like look at these guns. And it shows you. And I think that it, you have to have a combination. But in Tom's position, it doesn't require. He doesn't to need to be big and bulky, but he needs to be pliable and he needs to be able to bounce back. He does week after week after week. And so I think now moving forward, because again, we hired a new strength and conditioning. That's coach. a good point. Yeah. So now it's going to be interesting to see what direction will the team go with how they're taking care of their players and what workout regimes will they will they apply with, with the players. Because in the NFL now, it's not about big and bulk. It's about speed, quickness, durability. And you see that in the training too, I feel like. Okay, yeah. so Luke Richardson, Senior Director of Sports Performance. So yeah. I feel like he's going to be in charge of not just uh, – the training room and, and getting guys in shape, but it's going to be, there's going to be some aspect of sports performance, whether that's sports science or enhancing performance, whatever falls under that umbrella. It's going to be a little bit of everything. It'll be interesting to see. He came from the Broncos and you know, you know what, yeah. how he incorporates what he did over there with, with what's happening here. When you were here, I know we've had a couple of different head athletic trainers. Yeah, we what did. was, uh, what was it predominantly? Cause you see guys that are big into heavy weights, just yeah. bulk up add a lot of muscle. And then you have guys that are like fast and, uh, you know, high uh, like high yeah. high interval sort of speed training things. When, what, what was it for you? When I was here, we had a staff where I don't know if you remember this. I think they removed it maybe about a few years after I retired. But we had a green monster hill. Do you remember that? No. Okay, there was a humongous monster hill. It was made out of turf, and it went up maybe about forty feet up in the air and guys would go there for the summer. This is where we would work out in, and we would just actually. This is on the premises here. This was right here at the bubble. On the other side of inside the bubble area, inside the out, bubble, well, outside the bubble, you know, on, on the, the pack, other side, on the other side. Well, maybe it is. I've never ventured on that side of yeah, the bubble. Yeah, that's where the okay. special team guys go over there. So <laughs> get over there. So if you you're run, in trouble. You, you run up a hill. Yeah, so we would run the up. Forty Niners have something like it was this something now like too. that exactly, and okay. it was a cool hill because I'm going to go see if that's still there. But it's not there no more. It's not oh, there. you know no, for a fact. Oh yeah, they removed the hill a long time ago. So once they brought in another strength and conditioning coach and all that. 
he didn't think that the heel was actually needed moving forward and all that type of stuff. So that heel was oh. removed. But I thought personally that was a great heel because it's a, it was an amazing incline. And most you know staff members that were here from day one, they would probably remember that. Yeah. And that was maybe about, I want to say about 10 years ago that, that the heel was here. So we would go up there during the summer workouts. We would run up and down the hill and we would backpedal. So it was that was our training as well as, you know, doing different things outside on on the track area. So that builds up your your leg muscles. It builds up your leg muscles. It builds without really bulking them up. Exactly. But, but you build up your and that's cart of cardiovascular it's cardio, too. It's, and good it's for you. And it wasn't as hard on your joints because it was on turf. So I we see. were running up and down. And then also we didn't do a lot of squats when I was here. The strength and conditioning staff said there's you know is that hard on your knees. Is that's why. But personally, I think that and this is me. I don't think that squats is as bad. But I think that there's a way you should do it. And I think that if you do do any type of squats, it shouldn't be a lot of weight because a lot of weight to me is bad on your knees. And I wish I would have incorporated more squatting because it helps me with my explosiveness. And I think that it would have helped me overall with my run game and all that. So I lost a lot of muscle when I got into the with the te- Texans because I, I wasn't utilizing my legs as much as needed. And so moving forward, I think that it's important that athletes continue to work on their muscles, especially right. your lower body. You need that. That's that's where all your energy and But this is your – okay, so this from. is my philosophy, and I'm not a football player, obviously, but I would think that if you build muscle, and I've been told this too because I like to lift – Heavyweights, mm-hmm. and I don't bulk up clearly because you would never know that I lift heavy weights. But I feel like that's your engine. So mm-hmm. the bigger engine you have, so the more muscle you have, like the more horsepower you have. So don't you need more muscle in order to move fast? Like w- at what point does it make you bulky, do you think? Well, I think everyone's genetic. Because your power well, comes from your lower your lower right. half. Well, genetics plays a factor of anybody and on in any in anybody's body, so to speak. So a lot of guys, for an example, let's take Andre Johnson for an example. Andre Johnson's by nature, he's a lean guy. Now, of course, Andre can get bigger and all that, but he's he's just a lean guy. JJ Watt, he's kind of a bigger guy, and I think over the years, JJ has actually leaned up than what he was before he got here. He's leaned up, but he's more defined. Fine, exactly, he's like a V shape. He's more of a V shape. Yeah. So when you see JJ puts on his T-shirts, it's more of a V shape. Even if you look at Deshaun Clowney, I mean, uh, yeah, Clowney. Deshaun Clowney. Deshaun Clowney. That <laughs> That'd be an amazing like, player. A, yeah, Jadavion Clowney. Deshaun, I'm, name, I'm naming that. That's his new name. When you got Jadavion Clowney, if you look at it, he's got a, like a waistline. It's like guys now are more trimmed, that is especially the, in the That mid-section. is the trend, yeah. And it's, I don't know if that's because they like to look good in their skinny suits, <laughs> but Jadavion Clowney is a perfect example of someone who's so fast but very big and muscular. Very big and muscular. And it, to me, your overall, what I did not realize until later on once my last year in the league of how the core is such an, an important factor of – of your of the way you play the game. Yeah. Most guys, I remember watching Andre Johnson, and we would always be in a weight room, and we were working out, and I would always remember this, and I didn't understand it until later on, but Andre worked mostly on his core. He was a, more of a core guy. Like, he would, coach, go, go, you know, of course, go in and do his bench pressing and all that, but I would see So what Andre's, would he do? Because that's before planking and all that became really Yes. In. I mean, your hip – he was – Andre was big on his hip flexors and his core. I would always – see that and and then over the years I think guys have incorporated that that style of working out now core your hip flexors because that's where your movement takes place that's that's explosiveness so that's important you got to have strong hip flexors that's where your speed starts from your core you can look at most track athletes you have not seen a track athlete that's a sprinter that does not have a six-pack that's true for the most part if you look at all these fast guys 
they have an amazing set of abs. That's where it starts from. <laughs> now, of course, you see joggers, and you can see go out and you see people that are, that are joggers. For the most part, you don't have to have a six-pack to go out and run At a leisurely pace. Right. You just, you <laughs> That's know. my style of jogging. I just like nice and slow and leisurely and think things through. Yeah, but if you're an actual sprinter, somebody that's, that's got speed, you, for the most part, you have a set of abs. That's interesting. Yeah. All right, so you would have done it differently. I would have worked more on my core and more on my hip flexors. No, not more I, squats. I mean, of course, I would have incorporated that into it, but it would not have been my main emphasis is squats. Because squats, to me, if you're not working on other parts of your muscles, you can it can limit your range of motion. You're not as loose. I want it to be loose, and that's what it takes to be an athlete. You want to be loose as possible. You don't want to be like a robot out there where it's like 90 Turn left, I'm so big and strong, yeah, but yeah, I can't run. I can't <laughs> run. I'm left. You don't want that. You want to be as fluent as possible. And to me, that's been the advantage of some of these amazing athletes that we have with the Texans is that they're so elusive. Look at Deshaun. Deshaun, elusive. Like, he can make a – He's sort of built like a track athlete, isn't he? He really is. Yeah. And, and if you look at even Hopkins, I mean, even Will Fuller, I mean, all these guys, for the most part, they're very elusive. But they also – you can tell that they work on their abs. Jonathan Joseph, Kareem Jackson. The list goes right, on and on. Right. All right. So it's Valentine's Day. Before we go, I got one final question for you. John Harris and I, we're going to do this on the radio later at Mark <laughs> Vandermeer, and I think Drew Doherty as well. Uh, since it's Valentine's Day, the moment you loved the most when you played for the Texans. Oh, I feel like I need to ask you this. The moment I loved. And I love it because you played during yeah. the years when, you know, like in recent years, we all know what the favorite moments are. But sure. you played before the playoff, the post, the, the postseason appearances yeah. and all that. So what was your favorite moment? Back when you played here? When I played here. There was, DB, that's such a great, great question. There was one moment, but it wasn't actually a moment on the playing field. It was a moment where we were traveling and we were on our way to play an opposing team. I don't remember what team it was. Typically, rookies are supposed to go out and bring breakfast for the veteran players. That was their job. Just like you did today for me exactly. with the donuts. So the donuts, so actually, Shipley's <laughs> Old is habits a part die of, hard. Yes. Actually, we're going to bring it full circle this podcast. <laughs> we actually, started with donuts, we're going to end with donuts. Actually, All right. we're going to end with donuts because this this is part of the story. Okay. So there was a guy by the name of Kendrick Starling. I got to throw his name out there. He's a great guy. But Kendrick Starling was part of our wide receiver staff at the time. And and Jabari Gaffney, Andre, Corey Bradford, myself, we were all veterans at that time. And Kendrick was supposed to bring everybody breakfast. For some reason, Kendrick did not bring breakfast Saturday morning as we were getting ready to travel. So Jabari Gaffney and the crew said, hey, look, Jabari, go, I mean, uh, Kendrick, go get everybody some donuts. We need some donuts. DP, guess what time the planes were leaving? The bus was taking off in the next 20 minutes oh. or so. So Kendrick had to go out to Shipley's Donuts. There's one actually down the street right from here. here. Yeah, so it's on only about a five-minute, you but know. But still, that's stressful. DP, that's, he had to first get in his car, run straight down here, go get the donuts. It could have been a long line. He got like the donuts. Like four dozen donuts for all these guys. But the amazing thing is when he got the donuts, he came to the stadium. The buses were leaving out there. <gasps> we were already on the highway. So we saw Kendrick <laughs> pulling up into the parking lot, and everybody was waving and laughing. No. It was the most craziest thing. <laughs> but look, and he was saying, hey, I got the donuts. I got the donuts. But you're not going to make the flight. But he's not going to make the flight. But guess what he had to do? What? He had to take his car, drive to, to the, the airport. airport and then catch the flight that way. So that was probably one of the most crazy. I'm glad you all didn't get him in trouble for that. <laughs> no, that he could have gotten kicked off the flight. He could have gotten kicked off the flight. But thank goodness, 
the veterans had <laughs> our donuts, and that's what the bottom line was. We ate good that morning. That is locker room <laughs> respect when you're willing to put your own career and your butt on the line. That's right. For your vets oh. to have some donuts. All right, JJ, I love it. We talk donuts and we talk working out only in this podcast. The Deep Slant Podcast. It's available on iTunes. It's available on the Texans mobile app. We'll be here same time, same place next week. JJ Moses, Deep Slant Podcast. Thanks so much, JJ, and we'll talk to you soon. Go Texans.